Brothers and sisters, if you would, please turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Mark. Our text today comes from chapter 11 and verses 27 to 33. So Mark chapter 11, verses 27 to 33. Mark chapter 11, verses 27 to 33. Brothers and sisters, please then hear with me the reading of God's Word. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe me? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for, all the, for they all held that John really was a prophet. And so they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Thus far is a reading of God's Word. Brothers and sisters, why should anyone listen to Christ? Why should anyone listen to Jesus? This was at the time of Jesus' ministry, as well as today, a question by which all people everywhere must reckon with. Was Jesus a man who came in His own authority and thus should be treated as such, just a man, Or did Jesus come in the name of His Father, having been sent and commissioned and anointed for a task, having been given all authority in heaven and on earth to execute the will of the Father and bringing about the redemption of the elect, so that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, for many of us sitting here today, the answer is glaringly obvious. But there was a time in which that answer was not so clear. And yet, just because we struggled with that answer, and because unbelievers everywhere have to wrestle and struggle with that answer, it does not mean that the answer is unclear. In fact, brothers and sisters, the answer is crystal clear as Jesus demonstrated this fact during His earthly ministry so that there is no excuse for the refusal to accept and to bow the knee to the authority of Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, I think that we all can agree when someone makes a claim such as this, 
to be the Messiah, to be the eternal Son of God, the Redeemer of mankind, I think we can agree it ought to come with some credentials. I don't think that it's unreasonable, especially if we are being told that following and believing or not following and not believing has eternal consequences or eternal ramifications. Right? Wanting to see credentials is not something that is uncommon to us today, is it? Let me give you an example. If you get a knock on the door, unexpected, unannounced, and it's, it's someone claiming to work for the city, and they say, hey, we work for the city, we're, we're going house to house, we need to get into your basement to check out your, your mechanicals. I hope no one would say, sure, sir, come right in. No, but rather, what would you do? You would, you would check for their credentials. You would say, where is the truck with the city logo on it? Right? Where is the, the vest that has the, the city markings? Where is your badge that shows us you work for the city? Where is your card with, with your name on it? That we, that we might be able to, to, to verify the things you are telling us. Let us see the proper credentials. Right? That is what I hope all of us would do. Now the issue though, in our text today, throughout the Gospels and in the world, is that Jesus has irrefutable credentials, and yet so many are unwilling or incapable of recognizing their validity. This, in fact, is what Jesus Himself says. In John chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus says this, If I have come in My Father's name, I have come in My Father's name, and you do not receive Me, if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. For some reason, people are quick to follow people with no credentials. And we see this all the time with, with cults and false religions. Right? These, these men start these religions and they do so under their own authority. And all these people are deceived. Millions upon millions simply take their word for it put the trust in someone whose only testimony is their own about themselves. So many people are willing to do, do that. And yet, at the same time, those same people, as well as all unbelievers around the world, are unwilling to believe and trust in the One whose credentials are from heaven above. And Jesus affirms this in John chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. He says this, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I can do nothing on my own authority, but speak as the Father has taught me. And He who sent me is in me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Looking at it from the outside, someone might say, the mystery of this all, or, or what I find most perplexing is not why someone would believe in Jesus and accept His authority, but rather what's perplexing or what is hard to believe is why anyone would not believe in Jesus, seeing the, the vast, overwhelming evidence based on His ministry and His heavenly credentials. But brothers and sisters, we know why people are unwilling and incapable of trusting in Christ based on those heavenly credentials. 
And that is because of the hard-heartedness of man. As they continually and defiantly stiffen their neck against God. Not wanting to be brought under anyone else's authority. Right? Desiring their sinful and rebellious lifestyles. They gratify the desires of the flesh and as they glory in their shame. And this is exactly what we see occurring in our text today. As the chief priest describes and the elders are willing to do anything, they are willing to go to great lengths to discredit and to destroy Jesus. And what we will see is it starts by questioning His credentials. And they question His credentials so that they might embarrass Him. So then they, so then they might prosecute Him in order that they might continue to walk in their wicked ways. And so we're going to look at our text this morning under three main points. Dissecting the, the questions and the arguments so that we might be able to answer in whose authority has Christ come? For this is a question of utmost importance. Okay, And so these three points are this. First, authority challenged. Authority challenged. Point number two, authority confirmed. Authority confirmed. Point number three, authority unconfessed. Authority unconfessed. So first, authority challenged. Look with me please once more at verses 27 and 28. We read this. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him and they said, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Now last week, we looked at verses 20 to 26 as Jesus and the apostles head into Jerusalem. And that was on a Tuesday, we said. That was the, the Tuesday before our Lord's death. In our text today, we are still in Tuesday. It's just a little later in the day. Now they have progressed from Bethany to Jerusalem. And what we are told is when they enter Jerusalem, they come... And they enter into the temple. And this is where this encounter ensues with the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Now, on many occasions, I've told you that the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders make up what's called the Sanhedrin. Right? They are the members of the high court of the Jews. or the, We might think of them as the, the supreme court of the Jews. And we're told here by Mark that they ask, Two questions, but the two questions really is just one question. And that is this. Who gave you the power or the right to do the things you are doing? It's a question about credentials. right? Who gave you the power or the right to do that which you are doing? And this question concerning Jesus' credentials, as we have already said, is a valid one. Because these were the leaders within Judaism who were entrusted with the temple. And so, in fact, this question is a commendable question, even if their intentions were evil. You know why? Because they understand something that much of evangelicalism does not. And that is this, that nobody has the authority to take up for themselves the work of the ministry unless they have been called and sent to it. 
This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. He says, how will they call on Him who they have not believed? How are they to believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they were sent? And so what we see here today is they are saying to Jesus, we didn't call you. We didn't send you. So who did? That's what they're asking Jesus. Who did? Now it's obvious that these questions weren't something that they, they thought of on the spot. But rather this was something that was kind of percolating and, and marinating between them. Readying themselves for a time in which they can ask Jesus this in order that they might entrap Him. And how do they think that this question will entrap Jesus? Well, because they think if He says that the authority came from God then they can arrest him and charge him with blasphemy. But if he says that the power came from him, or the, the authority came from himself, then they can say, look, his ministry is an unlawful ministry. It's not a true ministry. And if it's an, and if it's an unlawful ministry, then they can disgrace and discredit him before the people so that no one would ever listen or follow Jesus again. Right? And so they are very calculated in their approach with Jesus. Now, what are those things that Jesus is doing that has caused such great alarm amongst the Sanhedrin that they would come upon Jesus on this Tuesday? What are those things that He has been doing? Well, I think it's appropriate to say, essentially, everything that He's been doing, the entirety of His ministry. Right? If we just think back in the Gospel of Mark, how many times has Jesus been confronted and questioned and verbally attacked for the things that He has done? Let's bring to remembrance just a few. If you remember in Mark chapter 2, Jesus healed and forgave the sins of the paralytic. And we're told what? That the scribes were there that day and they questioned in their heart, who is this man to do this for? God alone forgives sins. They say, a blasphemer. How many times have we read already throughout Mark's Gospel them question Jesus and accuse Him of, of breaking the law or allowing His disciples to break the law? Like not cleansing their hands before eating. Or how about in chapter 3 when He was accused by the scribes? The scribes who came down from Jerusalem. Perhaps the same scribes in our story today. And you recall then, what did they say? They charged Him with with working miracles by the power of the devil. It was in Mark chapter 8 that after Jesus fed the 5,000, the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they demanded a, a sign from heaven. It was in Mark chapter 10 that the scribes and the Pharisees confronted Jesus and challenged Him saying, uh, or confronted Him with the question trying to trap Him, what is the only means to a, a lawful divorce? And so they are doing this because of the things Jesus is doing. Right? They are doing this because of His teaching. They are doing this because of the miracles He was performing. They were doing this because of the authority everyone seeing Him speaking with. And these Jewish leaders were jealous of it. But I think we can narrow it down even more. I think the main reason why Jesus is in pro approached in this encounter is probably based on more recent events 
that have just happened since Jesus has entered Jerusalem. They want to know why on Sunday Jesus rode in on the donkey and allowed the people to lay down cloaks and palm leaves for the donkey to ride upon. Something that that would be done for a king. They want to know why Jesus would not rebuke the crowd when He rode in and upon seeing them, they declared loudly, Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! They wanted to know why He thought just the day prior He could walk into the temple and could drive the the money changers and the buyers and the sellers away from the temple when they allowed them to be there. It is these things that have stoked the flames of anger in the hearts of these men against Jesus. They were thinking, where does He get off believing that He can do these things? Where does He get off believing He has the authority to tell us what to do? Where does He get off thinking our temple is His temple and teaching our people with the authority that is ours? It was all these things that caused them to challenge Jesus' authority. But brothers and sisters, it has come to this because they could not deal with Jesus' doctrine. They could not deal with His doctrine. They, They could not discredit His works so that they now, unable to find anything else, attack His credentials. That's what they're doing. They're attacking His credentials. And this is not unlike the world today, is it? When we talk to unbelievers, what you often find is they try to discredit the Christian faith and, or slander the Christian faith because they cannot deal with its doctrine. Perhaps many of you have, have experienced that in talking to an unbeliever. Right? They, they resort to, to name-calling Christians in general. They resort to ad hominem, ad hominem attacks. They, they resort to regurgitating bad arguments that they found online. It's because they cannot contend with the excellency of the truth of God's Word. Even more so than that, in countries today, we see people trying to extinguish Christ from their countries because they cannot deal with doctrine. And so what are they doing now? They try to utilize physical force. They try to threaten ministers and arrest ministers and threaten punishment upon them and scare them from preaching the Word of God. And this is what we see in our text today. And yet, brothers and sisters, Jesus was not surprised of this, and neither should we be. For we're told in Psalm chapter 2, verse 1, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and His anointed. Today, all around the world, unbelievers continue to set themselves up against those whom God has anointed unto gospel ministry. But just as Jesus walked into the temple that day in the face of very present danger, brothers and sisters, we too must not shy away when our faith is questioned. We must stand courageously. We must stand together, united, for the sake of Christ and the Gospel. And most especially, what we must be doing is praying and praying for our ministers all around the world so that when that danger nears, when they are threatened with outward evils, that they would know that there is no greater thing one could be doing when persecuted 
than that which God had set them apart and called them to do. And this takes us then to point number two, which is authority confirmed. Please look with me at verse 29. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. Jesus is fully aware that the question of the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders is laced with ulterior motives. He knows this. And so Jesus refuses to openly answer without first having them answer a question of His own. And one reason that He does this is because I want you to see in rightly answering His question, they will have already answered their own. In rightly answering His question, their question will already be answered. The people would say to them, if this is true, then why do you not believe in Christ? And so they didn't want to affirm John's ministry. Yet, at the same time, they are also afraid of the people. Because they know that the people love John and they love Jesus and they behold them both as prophets. And one thing that we know about the Jewish leaders is, is that they are driven by fear. They are driven by fear. It is, it is fear that has caused them to, to persecute Christ and to seek to destroy Him. It is fear of the people that has caused them to choose their words very carefully. Right? They, they feared losing what they had and so they refused to say or do anything that could cause them to lose their prestigious positions. And so at the very same time, they didn't want to affirm John's ministry and neither did they want to deny John's ministry. But brothers and sisters, they knew the answer. They knew the answer. They, they knew John's ministry was from heaven. And so likewise, they knew Jesus' authority was from God. They just didn't want to give the right answer. But then we must ask, what are those credentials that should have caused them and should, could, and should cause all people everywhere to recognize immediately by whose authority Christ has come. I'm going to give you four. I'm going to give you four. The first is the fact that Jesus was called and set apart for the ministry by His Father. In John chapter 5, verse 36, Jesus says this, For the works that the Father has given Me to accomplish... The very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. This is a very important point. In no way, shape, or form did Jesus take this upon Himself by Himself. But He only did so through the sealing of the Father unto redemption. Right? Jesus did not come without first being commissioned by God. Because Jesus knows to take it up for Himself without being sent by the Father would be to invalidate His ministry because no one, as we've already said, takes the calling and sends themselves. Otherwise, it's an unlawful ministry and is done outside of the authority of God. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 45, we, we read this, And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not exalt Himself to be made high priest, but was appointed by the Father. 
Right? Jesus came to accomplish His work of redemption, offering Himself up as an offering and a, a sacrifice on our behalf, appointed unto it by the Father. Secondly then, in being sent forth by the Father to be our mediator, Christ came, worked, and spoke with all authority. This is what we're told in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus says to the apostles, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. And what was that work that Christ was sent forth to accomplish? It was to save His people from their sins. And by doing so, reconciling us to God. It was this salvation that Christ came preaching, calling sinners to Himself, saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. And this takes us, brothers and sisters, to our third and final point this morning, which is authority unconfessed. Authority unconfessed. Look with me at verse 33, please. So they answered, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. The chief priests, the scribes and the elders, in their response, demonstrate primarily one thing to us. And that is that they are totally unconcerned with the truth. Not once are we told as they take counsel, do they care about what the truth is. They are only concerned about themselves. They are only concerned about their own benefit. Which means not looking foolish for unbelief or not being harmed for denying the ministry of John. Right? Not once do these men who are set apart for this work to be the leaders of, 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 of the Jewish people and to be the ones entrusted by the temple, not once are they concerned about God? Not once are they concerned about His glory and His honor. Not once do they consider how they might be offending God by transgressing His law, by breaking the ninth commandment in line in their response. Because that is what they did. They, they lied. They knew the right answer to the question, but they didn't want to say, and so they said, we don't know. But that was untrue. But brothers and sisters, we know that the world is, is not concerned with truth. People like the Jewish leaders today are not truly concerned with knowing what authority Christ had or, or why is it that we ought to believe in Christ. They hear the message of the Gospel and they just say, we want no part of that. We don't want, we don't like that, that self-denial. We don't like dealing with persecution. We don't want any of those things. Rather, we want to be conformed after the pattern of this world. And so as a result, people today, just like these Jewish leaders in our text, are left to their ignorance as Jesus refuses to answer these men. As we're told in verse 33, He says, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Right? If these men intended to harden their hearts against God, if these men intended to harden their hearts against truth, 
then Jesus was going to allow them to remain in their ignorance. And He was ready to give them up to the justice of God. And brothers and sisters, this ought to teach us something. This ought to teach us that we are not required to give a response to every person's question. I know a lot of times we feel that burden. We feel like if anyone says something, if anything, if anyone challenges us, we must respond. But sometimes it's better to not. Sometimes it's better to not. Now, if someone sincerely comes up to you and has a question, we ought to try our very best to point them to Christ. If someone is truly ignorant and really wants to search this out and know, yes, it is our duty to point them to Christ. But if someone is an open God-hater who is just looking to stir up controversy and cause trouble, we have no reason to give them an answer. As Jesus has told us many times, answer not the fool, or, or as He has told us, do not cast pearls before swine. So we see Christ do that here today. right? He refuses to answer them, leaving them to their own ignorance so that they might reap greater condemnation upon themselves for refusing to believe in Christ and refusing to confess His authority, which is so obvious to see. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 15, when Jesus sends out the apostles to preach the Word and to heal the sick and to raise the dead, He says this about those who deny Christ. He says, Truly, I say to you, it will be more, t- more bearable on the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. I want you to see the great danger in answering wrongly the question, who is Jesus that we should obey Him? Especially if you have already been taught about Christ. For a denial of His authority and a refusal to bow the knee spells eternal punishment for all people because that is an inexcusable response based on Christ's heavenly credentials. And so, brothers and sisters, we must ask in learning about Christ's credentials, who is Christ that the world ought to be brought to their knees before Him? Who is Christ that the world ought to be brought to their knees before Him? And our answer is this, Christ is the eternal Son of God. Christ is God incarnate who is the perfect, sinless Savior. And the only proper response to His credentials is seeing that in the sending of the Son, the Father has given unto the world no other name by which men must confess in order to be saved. And what this ought to cause us to do is to, is to flee to Christ. Right? To, to flee to Christ, recognizing that He is our only mediator between God and man and trusting in His work upon the cross alone. Brothers and sisters, we have to see Christ as the incarnate Son who is the final word to this present age by which God speaks to us. And it ought to cause us to beg God each and every day to speak the words of life into our hearts. And then knowing this, for any true Christian, 
This ought to, this ought to cause us to immediately move ourselves from doctrine to devotion. Right? Devotion expressed for the grace and the love that has been extended to us by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Devotion to the Father for sending His Son to suffer the pangs of death for us. Devotion to the Son who voluntarily accepted His commission, fully aware of what was to come. Devotion to the Spirit who not only sealed Christ in His earthly ministry, but who is the seal of Christ to us and who works grace in our hearts this day, illuminating us so that we might be able to see Christ's credentials which, brothers and sisters, we otherwise would not be able to see. It is this God and to He alone that belongs all dominion, glory, honor, and worship forevermore. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come confessing that we bow the knee to Christ our Savior. We confess Him as our Lord and as our God. We pray, Father, that You would use the Word of God this day that goes forth to make sinners bow the knee to Christ this day. For if they don't, there will come a time in which the Lord will force all people everywhere to bow the knee, whether they want to or not. And so, Father, we pray, we ask You this day that You would help us more and more each day to to know the person of Christ better, to understand His credentials better, that we might, Lord, be quick to confess His name and suffer on His behalf, knowing that He has come into the world to save sinners such as us. And so, Father, we come before You confessing our Lord's name, praying in His name, asking these things, In His name we pray. Amen.